Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Hey there. I am so happy to have you back. I'm so happy to have you back for another amazing episode. We have a fantastic guest, which I'm sure as you know who this is. Before we get into it, I want to remind you or tell you for the first time that we have done something really fun and new. I have created a Patreon page for the Do Something Beautiful podcast. The Do Something Beautiful podcast, as you know, is inspired by Mother Teresa because we want to do something beautiful for God and we don't do that alone. And so I need your help. I want to do some new things with the podcast. I'd like to take it to the next level. Um, I can't do that alone, and I can't do that with without support. And so I'd love to have you a part of the team, because we really are in this together. So we've created a Patreon page where you could come, and you can take a look at the tiers of becoming a patron. And as you know, I'm a big fan of The Office, and so I may or may not have included that in every single tier. It's pretty fun. So you can go and check it out. You can check out the different tiers of becoming a patron. There's the Stanley Hudson tier. There may or may not be a quote that says, shove it up your butt. There's the Pam Beasley tier, Kelly Kapoor. There's Jim Halpert. There's a Dwight Schrute. There's a whole bunch. Michael Scott. And yeah, I actually did include Robert California. It's a pretty wild one, but I still did because he's the definition of insanity. Anyway. If anything, go to patreon.com slash leadero to check out my tears of being a patron. And if you feel so inclined, if you are a listener, if you if you love this, if you share this with others, I would encourage you and I ask you to become a patron of the podcast so that we can work together to make it a little bit better and to do some more stuff. Now, with that, with whatever tier you choose, there are some fun goodies that you'll receive. Um, as well, I also create exclusive content just for my patrons. And I interact with you in a private place right there on my Patreon page. So go ahead and check it out. Patreon.com slash Leah Darrow. It's pretty fun if I do say so myself. So today we get to talk to a pretty fun and amazing woman, Danielle Bean. Oh, Danielle. Danielle is fantastic. I just, I really enjoy her. I really do on a variety of levels. She's kind of done everything and she continues to do more. She's the brand manager for CatholicMom.com. She's the former publisher and editor-in-chief at Catholic Digest. She's the author of many, 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 many books. Her latest one, You Are Enough. We kind of talk about that and talk about that in so many different layers in our podcast conversation here. She's a really popular speaker on many topics like family life and parenting and marriage, the spirituality of motherhood. If any of those things ring bells to you that you're interested in, you definitely want to go check her out at daniellebean.com. I'll include all of that in the show notes. Danielle is just a gem of a woman. Really happy to have her on our side. Happy to have her out there speaking truth to the world and to the church and to women in general. She is she is just I just, I just love her. I think she's really, really great. And trust me, you'll find that out very quickly. She's real, she's down to earth, and she's practical. Just love that. So without further ado, here is Danielle Bean. All right, here we go again. Another amazing guest. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you, Leah. Yeah, me too. We have been waiting. I have been waiting to talk to you for a while. Now, we first met actually face-to-face, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, at a Theology of the Body Institute class. Oh my gosh. I 
forgot all about that. I was preparing for this podcast and I'm like, have we been at a conference together? I know I've met her. You're so right. You're, we took a class, an amazing class. Was that your first? Because that was my first. That was not my first. That, okay. was, that was Theology of the Body 1. I believe. Mm-hmm. And I had already taken with Ricky. We, for our pre Cana, we decided to take our pre Cana to our own hands and we decided to go to the TOB Institute and do the love and responsibility course. Yes. And you were pregnant with your first, I think. Yes. So I did the oh love and responsibility course when we were engaged. And then we came back and did TOB when we were pregnant because Bill Donahue was joking with me constantly, calling me Cleopatra because I was laying on the couch. <laughs> on my side because I was so huge and I was trying to take notes on top of my belly of TOB. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Perfect timing. I know for all of that, for most of my, of my work in evangelization, I'm either pregnant or I have a baby. So that's just the name that's of the game the for me. Yeah. It's just the season of life I'm in, but yeah, so that's where we first met. So we are here. You are, are now correct me if I'm wrong. Are you kind of like the founder and like the, guru here of catholicmom.com? I'm not the founder. No, that would be Lisa Hendy. But Lisa has in recent years moved on to other projects and um, Holy Cross Family Ministries, which is a huge organization, has acquired catholicmom.com. And as part of that process, they took me on as manager there. And it's been, I mean, I've been with Catholic Mom for just a little over a year now. And it's been an amazing ride. I mean, I I was already, you know, very familiar with Lisa. We've been good friends forever. I've been a huge supporter of Catholic Mom, just kind of from the outside. But coming in and actually becoming a part of this organization and a part of everything that Holy Cross Family Ministries is doing during the time when its founder, Father Patrick Payton, was just named Venerable, it's really an exciting time to be part of this ministry, which it, at its heart, is focused on Catholic women and their vocation of love inside of their homes and families, which is 100% where I've been focused for as long as I've been doing any ministry work at all. Okay, love all of that. I'm going to jump in really quick to a question that I'm, I would love to know your take on. Why do you think Catholic moms, or I should just say moms, but why do you think the role of motherhood, the vocation of wife and mother is looked down upon so often today? Yeah. I mean, this is huge, right? I mean, we, we like to give lip service to like, oh yeah, apple pie and motherhood, right? That's the American way, but it's actually not true. And it's actually one of the most sexist parts of our culture today. And something that I speak about a lot is the fact that we look down on motherhood like it's a hobby, perhaps, like, oh, that's good if you can afford that, perhaps. But our society tells women that motherhood is beneath them in subtle ways, in not so subtle ways, that the kind of work we women are built for, excel at, the kinds of things we're uniquely strong and gifted to do in service of love to one another, to our families, to our homes, to our communities, that kind of service, our culture looks down on it and says it's beneath us, that it's a sign of weakness. It takes every feminine attribute, every feminine gift and strength that we have, the ways in which we find meaning in our lives and tells us we need to be other than that in order to be successful, in order to find happiness, in order to be fulfilled. I think there's nothing more sexist than telling women, you need to be other than who you are. You need to ignore what's written on your heart. You need to work outside of yourself in order to find happiness and fulfillment. And yet that's the lie that so many of us are kind of living in this saturation of today. Oh my gosh. She is fire, my friend Danielle. <laughs> yes. It's, 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 <laughs> 
there's no point for me to go over everything you just said because I'm putting like an exclamation mark over every single statement. Yes, it's ignoring mm-hmm. who we've been who we've been made to be. Now that might be biologically or might be taking care of souls as sisters, but whatever it might be, we've been made to do this unique work in such a special way and to deny that is such a travesty. So mm-hmm. one of the ways that you in particular, I mean, you do a lot for to fight against this in a lot of your presentations. But the one most recent one that I love that definitely gets at the heart of this too, in a not so obvious way, maybe, is your new book. Now, this is currently, I believe, even, is this sold out? Yeah, so we sold out of the first printing real quick. I'm I'm really super happy about that, but also super anxious to get the book in the hands of people right now. So by the time people are listening to this podcast, I'm hoping the second printing will be available and you'll be able to just go to ascensionpress.com and get your copy or over at Amazon. But right now I'm shipping some books that I have here at home, but I'm almost out. Ascension Press is out, but the second printing is underway. But it's been super exciting that there's been such a great response to this book. And, you know, truth be told, that's why I wrote it, because people need to hear that message. So the title of the book is You Are Enough. And as schmaltzy as that might sound to some people, or some people might say, that sounds a little too corny for me, let yourself hear the message of this book. Open your heart to hear the message of God's unique love for you and God's unique calling for you. Every woman needs to hear that she is enough, especially in a world that's telling her otherwise. Yes, yes, yes. Now, You Are Enough, that is published by Ascension, correct? Correct. Okay. It says, you are enough what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth. So I am extremely interested in this. I love, love, love women in the Bible just because there's not that many of them. So you can Mm -hmm. easily kind of go through (laughs) and find all the stories about them quickly. But they're so unique. I love what God does with women in Holy Scripture of how he brings out so many different types of women like he does with men too. But so many different types of women that you can connect with a variety of different points and seasons of your life. And so you've taken a few of them. Now, are these women just from the Old Testament or are there New Testament women in there too? Right. So this book is Old Testament. The previous book that I wrote was You're Worth It, and it focused on women from the New Testament. That was published by a different publisher. But then when I was talking with Ascension about a follow-up book, we're like, well, you got to do the Old Testament now. And I was a little uncomfortable, frankly, because I don't do a lot of reading of the Old Testament. I find a lot of it weird and it's it's hard to relate to. So that was especially why doing this project was good for me, just focusing on women in the Old Testament and reading those sometimes really familiar stories with a fresh perspective focused just on the women inside of them. Mm, I love it. Okay. So I was hoping that maybe I could ask you a few questions about that and about some of these women here. Okay. So I'm going to go with my first one, which is one of my ultimate heroines in the Old Testament, which is Judith. (laughs) I love Judith. Oh my gosh. And you know what? If you're a Protestant listening to this, go get yourself a Catholic Bible and read the book of Judith because she's special to us (laughs) and only inside of the Catholic Bible. So I love it. The book of Judith is this amazing story, apocryphal, maybe. We don't know how much of this is actual, like it happened this way, but that doesn't even matter because the theme of this story is about a woman's strength, about a womanly strength of virtue, of beauty, of perseverance, of courage. So just to give you the background here, if anybody's not familiar with the story of Judas, she's this widow, a beautiful widow, a virtuous, beautiful widow, whose people, who are God's people, who are surrounded by an enemy army. And the leaders of her people are saying, 
we're just going to surrender. We're going to have to give up because, you know, this powerful army, they've defeated everybody all around us. We're surrounded. We're going to give up. And I love that Judith, her response is instantly anger (laughs) that her people have so little trust in God. And she goes boldly to the leaders of her people and says, have you no trust in God? Will he not protect us? Will he not save us? Will he not make us triumph against our enemies? And they allow her because she asks for permission to go and speak to the enemy and infiltrate their camp, which is surrounding them. So she does do this with her servant and goes in and meets, you know, boldly meets. Oh, first of all, I got to back up because she gets ready. She gets beautiful. Oh, she yeah. Puts on, oh, yeah. <laughs> puts on her accessories and her best sandals and does her hair. And, you know, I'm reminding you, she's a beautiful woman. So she was making the best use of her womanly gifts. I to- love this part when I read this. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. So when people, I, and there are very, very few, but I've had a few people have been like, why do you get dressed up to give talks? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, if you really want me to come out there with my Clarisil pimple cream on still, I mean, I... I can do that, but I don't think anybody wants to see that, man. Nobody oh wants my to gosh. see that. But yeah, okay, okay, keep going because I love that part of Judith. I love well, I that. love it too because it really underscores that. That's part of our feminine gift. You may not be a girl who puts on heels and makeup all the time, but we still have that gift of beauty that's inherent in every single one of us. And it's expressed in different ways physically through every one of us. And it actually is, you know, the feminine beauty is the apex of God's creation, the feminine form, like all of art celebrates that, right? So who are we to say otherwise? So here's Judith fully embracing her feminine gift of beauty and dressing up, making herself look good in, I'm sure, a modest way. And then going into the enemy camp and just charming her way through the enemy camp until she gets to see the general himself. And she charms him too. Immediately, he falls in love with her and invites her to spend time in their camp, and he wants to spend time with her. She spends days there and requests permission to go out and pray, and she's allowed to do that. And she she earns the trust of this enemy general, and he's so enthralled with her that he invites her to this special dinner that he's planned. And meanwhile, we don't know how much Judith has planned, what she knows is going on. She's following God's call. She's following God's will, and she feels God calling her to do this thing. And so here she is making herself at home among the enemy of her people and charming this enemy general, who's a scary guy, right? I mean, a powerful, scary guy. And and she still, you know, still, she earns the respect of him so much so that she's allowed to go and pray. They did not recognize her God, and yet they respected her enough to allow that. And she sets this example of virtue. And he's so enthralled with her that he invites her to the special dinner he has planned. And so excited is he is to have this opportunity to spend time with Judith that he gets totally smashed. He gets totally <laughs> drunk. And you know what? This is also hilarious in the Old Testament. And it's totally rated R. I mean, there's all this stuff going on. I'm like, I wouldn't let my kids watch this movie. Like, this, this guy. I mean, he's getting so drunk. And yet that's part of the story. And he gets passing out drunk. And then his servants, believing that these two are now going to sleep together, kind of sneak off and leave them alone in his tent together. So here we have Judith. And I love this moment. I just love reading about this moment and thinking about this moment where Judith is here in this guy's tent. Everyone thinks she's going to be having sex with him in this unvirtuous way. That is absolutely not at all her plan. And she's there. He's passed out drunk. And there is his sword. And she thinks for a moment. And then she pauses to pray. And she prays for the strength to do what God would have her do. And she uses his sword to cut off his head. Yes. I mean... (laughs) 
crazy, right? <laughs> and she does this, and then she, this is just also wild. She puts his head in a bag. She and her servant take off to return home to their people, triumphant, presenting them the head of the enemy general, right? And they have this giant party celebrating Judith and her amazing strength and her amazing courage. And I mean, this story is so awesome in so many ways. I haven't even done it justice in my retelling. You have to go and read it and you have to see the details for yourself. But that said, you know, I love focusing on that moment in the tent because we may never, Leah, you and me, be called to cut off an enemy general's head, right? It may never happen. I'm open to it, but it may never happen. <laughs> I'm open but, to it. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't. I'm just saying. But how many times in our lives do we feel called to something impossibly hard, crazy, something that seems so wild, like you have the wrong person, you know, this can't possibly be what you mean for me to be doing, God. And yet, we, if we pause, as Judith gave us that beautiful example and pray and ask for the courage and the strength to do what God would have us to do, he gives us that grace and he gives us that strength to answer that call that feels crazy to us. And, and let's be honest, even if God is just calling you to the mundane everydayness of motherhood, there are moments inside of that every day that feel crazy, that feel like this can't possibly be what God has in mind for me. And I think that's the message of Judith. I love it. I love it. And the fact that, like you said, she did take that time to pause and pray. And also, I mean, keep in mind, when I read that story, I always think about her faithfully continuing to pray and listen and pay attention to God's will in her heart. Because can you imagine what her people back at their camp were thinking when she left? Can you imagine when they heard, oh my gosh, Judith is with the leader now? And yeah. they're in this tent together. Oh, look what she's, look what she's, I'm sure they, they thought and said terrible things about her until she came back with his head in a bag. I mean, exactly. And, and who does that? I mean, if that happened today, I mean, Judith would have a few, Judith, Judith would be under some serious psychological evaluations at this point. <laughs> I mean, she came back with a man's head in a bag. That's, it's, I mean, you know, there are small padded rooms for people like that. But, <laughs> but Judith I think that's does so this. great. It's just, I love what she does, despite what people are obviously saying about her. And that, and, and granted, in scripture, you don't read so much about that piece, mm-hmm. um, but you know that that's happening. I mean, exactly. it's just like the woman at the well. You know that, obviously, she doesn't have a lot of friends. You know that there's all these people around her who are saying quite a bit of stuff. And I think today, when we're so worried and concerned about what other people are thinking and saying about us and our spiritual life or our life in general or being a mother, being a wife or whatever it might be, we're always so worried. We're so connected that it can deter us from doing God's will for us in our life. And Judith mm-hmm. did not allow that to play into her next step with the Lord. Absolutely. And you know, and the other part of it too, Leah, I think that's important to know in this, and I found this time and again inside of the stories of women in the Old Testament, is that God uses people in surprising ways. And he uses even people that we consider weak or small or outsiders or nobodies. He uses those people to do his work, to do great things, to accomplish great things. And so much greater is his triumph because it is accomplished through a smaller person, because it is accomplished through a woman. And I love keeping that in mind because sometimes we don't feel like we're up to it. Sometimes we don't feel like we're up to snuff and that we can't you know, we can't possibly do great things for God because of who we are and where we rank in the world. But it's important for us to remember that God uses his small and broken and wounded creatures in beautiful ways and to achieve glorious triumphs for his kingdom. 
Why do you think we're afraid of the triumph? I feel like sometimes we are. I feel like we're almost used. I feel like that there's quite a bit of people who are just waiting for the, for the bottom to fall out again. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Fear or fear the triumph, or we want to self-sabotage us. So we don't want, so we don't experience the triumph of God. I mean, what, what do you think that's about? Why, how can we overcome that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point. And it's something that I've thought about because it, it is a phenomenon that I've noticed, you know, for sure inside of social media, you'll see people who are just presenting their their glories, right? And then there's that temptation to compare yourself and feel like you don't measure up. But then there's the flip side where I feel like maybe sometimes we set the bar too low for ourselves and for others. Like my life's a mess. This is chaos. And this is all I'm going to be able to accomplish. Well, that's not what God wants for you. He wants amazing things for you. He has great plans for your joy and your triumph and your kind of perfection. And I think sometimes we sell ourselves short. We sell God short when we settle in lots of different ways. You know, St. John Paul II reminds us so beautifully, and I love these words, and I try to remember them, do not settle for mediocrity because so much, so many times that's the temptation, right? Not necessarily to just give up altogether, but settle in some kind of a way, whether you're a single woman waiting to be married and the temptation is to settle with, you know, the guy who's close by or the guy who's convenient or, you know, and rather than holding out and waiting for the one that God has waiting for you. Or even once you're married, you know, as far as like your, your parenting or inside of your marriage, God has great plans for glory for you and great plans for perfection and idealism. And yes, you're going to mess it up a thousand times, but that's not a reason to not set that goal and to have that ideal. Amen. Amen. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you and believe in that. And in my own life, I have really experienced in my own prayer life. God just telling me, I've shared it with others, but telling me like, Leah, you're just dreaming too small with me. Mm -hmm. Like just Mm -hmm. dream bigger, dream bigger with me, dream bigger. And even as big as I can dream, I know God's still going to outdo that. But sometimes you're right. We just, we just don't allow God to be God. Mm-hmm. And if you allow God to be God in your life, you're going to be astonished by what he can accomplish because we can accomplish all things, right? Through Christ who strengthens me. So let's remember that. And I think sometimes we forget that second part of the phrase because either we can do all the things or we can't do all the things. And we forget that Jesus is part of that equation and that when we have him on board, it's limitless. We can do everything. We can do all things. And it's important to remember that because so many times it's our own egotism that either limits us because I can only do so much or that makes us think that all the things that we might have accomplished are our own doing and we leave God out of the equation. Oh, I love it. Okay, so Judith, I love that. I cannot wait for wait for people to grab the book and read that chapter. All right, okay, just kind of, you know, what are with, some, with one more woman? Give us one okay. more of your favorite women that you talked about in, in your book, You Are Enough. Yeah, well, you know what? This is this is a little bit surprising. I'm going to share one who's a familiar one, but I read her story with fresh eyes, with a new perspective, and it really was surprising to me. So this woman is Bathsheba. We know oh, Bathsheba, right? Okay. We, I did not yeah. think you were going to say yeah. that. All right. So what I realized when I read this story, we all know the story of King David and this, you know, this this story that stands out in our minds. I know when I was a little kid reading this story as a child, I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> She was bathing. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, it's got that, that element of interest in it already, right? But when I read this story for this book project in particular and was really focused on the woman's perspective, I realized 
how sexist my previous readings of this story were. Because what were my assumptions before? My assumptions before was, oh, Bathsheba, she's some kind of a seductress, right? And right. she was she was tempting King David, the poor guy, and all of this. Well, there is none of that in Scripture. Scripture doesn't tell us at all what her thoughts or feelings were. And in the story, in my previous readings of the story, I realized I had made her into a prop. The same way she was a prop or an object to be used by King David for his lustful purposes, just an object and not a full human being with thoughts and feelings and preferences and ideas of her own. And Scripture doesn't tell us her side of the story. What it tells us is King David and what he wanted, what he saw, his lust. He called for her and had her brought to him. He lay with her. He sent her away. All of this is completely from his perspective. And what we don't hear is, how did Bathsheba feel about this? I mean, talk about the Me Too movement. Well, the Bible's way ahead of its time with this story where a man is abusing his power to take sexual advantage of a woman. And we don't hear her side of the story. We don't know. So she gets used by him in this way, has the audacity to turn up pregnant. And then again, she's an object to King David. She's a problem to be solved, right? She's no longer an object of his lust, but now she's an object because it's a problem to be solved. He needs to cover up his sin. And how does he do that? By depriving her of her husband by ultimately making that choice to have her husband murdered, to conveniently then take her in as his own wife and cover up his sin in that way. And that could be the end of the story, right? It's all tied up real neatly on King David's side. But this is the part that I love where we hear and we can feel and we can know God's unique love for every one of us as an individual, even when others aren't ready to hear our voice and others don't care about our side of the story. God sees us in our pain and God hears us and God calls us to speak our side of the story. So he does this through, as we know, this is such a famous story. I think many people are familiar with the prophet Nathan that then goes to King David, tells him this story of a poor man who had nothing but this one little ewe lamb that now scripture tells us, and this is very telling, he loved like a daughter right? Mm. He loved this precious little ewe lamb like a daughter. This poor man, this was all he had. And how a rich man came, took the ewe lamb from him and had it killed for his own supper when he had plenty of other animals of his own. And King David becomes incensed, of course, because this is so unjust and says the man should die. And then, you know, the prophet Nathan, you know, in that very dramatic moment says, that man is you. And so what does that mean? If King David is that man, then Bathsheba is that precious little ewe lamb. And what a beautiful symbol that is of God's love for each of us. You know, Jesus later in the New Testament comes and tells us that he's the shepherd and we're his sheep. Mm. We're his precious sheep that he seeks out and that each of us is unique and that he loves us with this infinite love. That Bathsheba was that precious you lamb. And not only that, we, every one of us in God's eyes, is that precious you lamb. And he loves us like a daughter. And I think it's such a valuable, important message that I can't believe I missed in my previous readings of this story. Such a beautiful message of God's unique love for every one of us individually, deeply, personally, and intimately. Oh, I love it. I love how you talk about that too and bringing in all of those different pieces that we often forget in that story. And as much as we often forget in that story, how often do we forget it in our own lives? Right. I mean, that's the, that's the, ultimately why I wanted to write this book and why it's titled You Are Enough, because we need the reminder It sounds like, you know, sometimes we hear these things like, oh, yeah, God loves me, blah, 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 and we kind of roll our eyes, right? We think we know it, but do you accept it in your heart? Do you let that that knowledge travel from your head where you say you know it 
all the way down to your heart where you can fully embrace it and accept your identity as a daughter of God. I think that's such an important thing for each of us to do. And we need the constant reminders in order to do it effectively. We do. We need, we absolutely, we absolutely do. We need constant reminders. We need people into our lives to speak that truth. And God will bring those messengers to us a variety of different ways, but he does do that. I mean, Danielle, I love, I love this with this book, You Are Enough. And we'll have all of those links in the, in the show notes for all of you, just so you know. It'll all be there for you, for you to go and to grab this book. And you'll definitely obviously want to do that after hearing this. But let me ask you a question. In, in your opinion, <laughs> a woman who knows she's enough, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately the question. Like, what is this this ideal that we're we're striving for, right? This knowing we're enough. Well, I think it looks like something that I have not yet achieved, and I may not on this side of heaven. But I think it looks like a confident woman, a woman who's at peace. You know, I think sometimes we're all striving for different things and we're distracted by all of the things that we have in our lives and the different obligations that we have and we're stressed out by them and all of that. And we can let ourselves fully be distracted by that to where we're no longer focused on who we are in the eyes of God. And I think once we have that at the center of our lives, all those other pieces fall into place. And you may know women, Leanne, people listening may know women who they admire. And I think if you take the time to think about it and think about people, women who are a real example of joy, who are a real example of peace and happiness in their lives, they're women who have this right. They're women who know their identity in the eyes of God, and they let those other pieces fall where they may. And that's so hard to do, right? Because it's built into us. We just want to be controlling everything, right? And we want to be, and especially in today's world with media the way it is, we can see everybody else's details. We can get distracted by everybody else's details, but being focused on our own unique calling and finding our peace in that. I think ultimately, you know, someone once described to me the difference between sort of horizontal relationships and vertical relationships. So horizontal meaning you're looking around and you're trying to discern your self-worth by measuring up to other people or having them measure up to you, deciding, you know, if you're having a good day or a bad day, depending depending on your status compared to the last person you talk to, where we're not meant to discern our self-worth there. We're meant to discern it inside of our relationship with our creator in that vertical relationship, one-on-one with God. And once you do that, all the rest of it falls into place. You can run into somebody who's doing so much better than you in so many different places, but you can be at peace because you know you're doing what God has planned for you inside of your life. And it's, it's a daily battle. It's a daily struggle, but I think the more we gather together as women and we're honest and we're open and we're vulnerable about the challenge that that is for each of us and the daily battle that it is, the, the greater chance we'll have of actually achieving that or coming close to it. Yeah, I agree. When, when, I, when I think of like, you are enough, and then I think of, well, where does that end? I think that's good that you mentioned, like, I don't, it's not going to come full circle until we're on the other side, until, right? until we're in the presence of the one who is all not just right. enough until we're in the presence of God himself and Jesus Christ. And I think when I think about women who embodied this better than me, you know, when I think of like Teresa of Avila, when I think of mm-hmm. mother Teresa, Calcutta, and I'm thinking, where were they in this journey of, am I enough? Mm-hmm. Because they're, I mean, they're just like us. They're women who are on a path where they love God. They want to love God more. And I I feel like that they probably still, a woman who knows she's enough, is not a woman that doesn't have any more doubt or a woman that doesn't have any more struggle 
It's right. just, I think that she's a, she's in a place, like you said, where she has that peace and that peace does not mean that there's not conflict in the world or even sometimes maybe in her life, but in her heart, there's that peace where she knows where to go. Mm-hmm. She knows to go to Christ for all of those things that she needs. And I, you know, I, I just, I think that's important to a lot for a lot of, especially young women who hear that phrase, you are enough. I feel like they feel like they have to get to a place of completion. Like it's like this step-by-step plan. Like, and if I do this and I do this, then I'll be enough. And Mm -hmm. I feel enough. Like it's just that cycle. I think that we see in the women in the old Testament and the women in the new too, where Mm -hmm. they just knew where they knew where to go to get back on track. And it was something where they did have this very, all of them had this signature sign of peace of, of the fruit of that, of God's spirit working in them. And Mm -hmm. it's so important to remember. Oh yeah. And so easily to be distracted in today's world. And I think for women in particular, you know, one of the women that I look at in the book is Eve going all the way back to Genesis in the Old Testament. And the fact that God tells her, you know, tells her and Satan, he's going to put enmity between them. He doesn't say that about Satan and Adam, although, of course, <laughs> there's conflict there. But he, he mentions it in particular. And I think it's a truth that we experience every day and you may not know it. But who is whispering in your ear? Pay attention to the voices you're listening to and what you're thinking of is truth and what you're allowing into your life. Because I think Satan especially targets women with regard to their self-worth because he's terrified of what a woman can accomplish the the powerful force for the good that a woman is when she knows who she is in the eyes of God and allows herself to be used as an instrument for God's work in the life of herself and in the life of her family and the life of the world at large. He is terrified of that power. And we've been given that special power. Amen. Yes, Danielle. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that that was the fire or it should have been the fire behind the statement at the end of the Second Vatican Council when they spoke (laughs) to women and they said, you know, the time is coming and has come where women imbued with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to help humanity not fall. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And we've been given this unique calling and sometimes it's daunting and sometimes we don't feel up to the task, but we need to be reminded of that truth that we are created for greatness and that it's through woman that Satan has fallen, right? Through Mary's yes. And through our yes, in, in big ways and small ways throughout the ins and outs of our everyday lives. I love it. I love it. And it, it all comes back down to that phrase, the phrase and the title of your book, You Are Enough. Oh, we are so, we we are so enough. In fact, God, when, when we allow him to work in us, it becomes even more than that. I love that. Oh, I love that. It is so good, Danielle. Danielle, you are just amazing. Oh, thank you. And it's not me. <laughs> right, Honestly, but it's truly. God using you. It's God using you. And I'm so incredibly grateful that you allow him to do his work in you. It's, it doesn't just affect just a few people, but so many of us, all of us need this message. There's not just one or two. And it's an ageless, timeless message that we all need a variety of different times and seasons of our life. Um, when things happen, when things are done to us, when we make our own mistakes, when we begin to doubt again, God's love or mercy or his plan for us. Like, is he even there? Does he even care? And I feel aimless. I mean, this is that space. I think the stories that you talk about in your book, you are enough remind us and get us back down to the heart of where we're supposed to be, which is underneath the arm of God. As, as Michelangelo painted in his picture of creation with Eve, he painted that beautiful moment where God is, you know, reaching down and touching the hand of Adam, but 
in that painting, you see Eve underneath the arm of God. And that's, I love that image and I love that place. And for me, I always try to close my eyes and and just put myself back into that place. And that, that was Eve before the fall. That was Eve when she knew she was enough. That was Eve. Right where we need to also be at times, you know, we need to be place ourselves back underneath the arm of God to remind ourselves that we are enough. Danielle, where can we get in touch with you outside of your website, daniellebean.com and of course, catholicmom.com if you want to go there for a variety of different stuff. I mean, catholicmom.com right. has got a little bit, it's got everything for everyone, you know, <laughs> reflections, gospel readings, crafts, pr- free printables for all different types of liturgical seasons. I mean, everything you could ever imagine. But where can we get in touch with you to outside of your website? Sure. I mean, I'm on all social media. So on Instagram, Twitter, Danielle Bean or Facebook.com slash Danielle Bean. I love connecting with listeners, with, with people who read my books or want to share their stories. I, I, this is part of what I, I feel like God made me to do is connecting with other women and meeting them where they are and hearing their stories and sharing their stories with others. So yeah, feel free to reach out on social media or send me an email, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Perfect. And then you are the creator and host of your own podcast called Girlfriends, correct? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love podcasting. I've been doing it for almost three years now. I can't believe that. I previously in my previous life was a blogger and then I was on hiatus while I was doing full-time magazine publishing work and kind of got distracted by full-time work and full-time motherhood. But now I'm back to podcasting instead of blogging because I really miss that personal connection with people. And you know it, Leah, from having your podcast. It's such a wonderful way to connect with real people and really honestly build community among women in a really personal way. Yes, I agree. I agree. I obviously love it too. I keep doing it. And it's just, it's one of my favorite things to do. When I go out and give talks, I have more people talking to me about my podcast than than almost anything else. It's just like, I see it's such a beautiful way we can, like you said, connect and evangelize and just be sisters in Christ together and talk honestly about it. And it it is so personal. I mean, talking into the mic, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. talking into not just, I don't view it, I'm sure as you do, as like talking to a whole bunch of people like you do in a talk. No. This is one-on-one. Like Absolutely. You, the other, the the set of ears that are listening to this, I'm talking to you personally. Right. I love yeah. that connection. And in saying that, I do want to give, not a shout out, but I do just want to give a huge, big podcast hug to all of my amazing listeners. Like, thank you so much. Thank you for listening right now. Thank you for taking the time to be here and allowing Christ to hopefully work through this podcast to let you know that you are enough and that you are loved and you are not forgotten and you are not forsaken. And God does have a plan for you and in your life. He is not letting you go. Even if you try to run, he's not going to let go of you. So I just want to give that quick message to you right now listening. And Danielle, oh, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and speaking to us and sharing your heart and your love for Christ and your love for God's such amazing woman that he's brought to us, especially in the form of this book, You Are Enough. Again, that will be in our podcast notes and all the links will be available for you to grab that. But thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Absolutely. Right back at you, Leah. Thank you for all that you do for women. I respect and admire you so much, and I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Okay, my wonderful, wonderful 
do something beautiful. Podcast listeners, thank you for being here and being a part of another great episode. Again, if you want to give us any love, you can go to iTunes and leave us a review right there. Um, if you have a suggestion, go ahead and email me, podcast at leadero.com. If there's somebody else that you were like, hey, I think you should have this person on the podcast, well, go ahead and send me an email, podcast at leadero.com, and I'll take a look at those. And also, if you have any other people where maybe we can't interview them, but if they're doing something beautiful in your community and you want us to give them a shout out, go ahead and email me as well. All right. And remember, remember, my friends, whatever you do today, whatever you're doing, do something beautiful for God. Make it a smile. Maybe pay for the coffee for the person behind you in the drive-thru. Maybe it's just forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it, whatever it might be, but do something beautiful for God today. God love you. God bless. And we'll talk to you later.